This is Church Alive's Teaching of the Week by Pastor Gene Amoson. For additional teachings or information about the church, go to churchalive.net. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever been let down by somebody before? And I'm sure we've all been guilty of letting someone else down, have we not? But let me ask you this question. Have you ever felt like you really, really let the Lord down? Maybe it was in the way that you responded to someone. Maybe it was by an action. Uh, Maybe it was by your behavior. You've probably felt like me that whenever those things happen, man, you just, you feel the worst. And have you noticed that the enemy likes to hang those things over our head? The word says in Revelation that he's the accuser of the brethren. And that's what he does. He then begins to accuse us whenever we mess up like that. You know, for instance, he'll tell you, you're not even worth being called a Christian. You shouldn't be, consider yourself a child of God because of how you acted. Come on, has anybody ever heard these kind of statements? just running through your head whenever you've messed up. Uh, or he may just tell you, like, for instance, if maybe you're involved with the church and you serve or something like that, like, you know, you probably shouldn't because the real you came out earlier. And he'll try to convince you that that, that moment of failure, if you will, that that is you, and he'll try to identify you as that. So he tries to work on our head. That's what he does. He messes with our head. And his intention in all of this is to drive a wedge in between us and the Lord, of course. And so what will happen is, is a lot of times if people are not aware of the enemy's schemes, what they'll do is, is they'll actually listen to that voice. And once again, we have a clever saying around here that says, that goes like this. If the devil's lips are moving, then he's lying, Right. Okay, so what he'll do is, is he'll start to drop all this on the inside of you, and rather than moving forward and progressing in your walk with the Lord, you'll actually go backwards, you'll regress, or else you'll completely stall out. Now, I don't know about you, I don't like plateauing in anything in life. I want, for instance, my marriage to get stronger, right? Maybe there's an activity that you're doing, and you've just got to a place to where you just can't you know, go to that, that next level. And it's frustrating at times, isn't it? But the enemy would love to see you plateau or even regress in your walk with the Lord. That's what he does. Whenever we look in the Gospels, the Apostle Peter was kind of the unofficial leader of the 12 disciples. One thing we know about Peter is, is that Peter loved Jesus so much. I mean, he loved Jesus. The other thing we know about Peter is, is that he messed up a lot. My dad used to say this about Peter. He's the kind of guy that shoots first and asks questions later. That's kind of Peter. The good thing about Peter is is that in the Word, whenever we see how the Lord used Peter, that's while Jesus was on the earth and even after, after Jesus ascended, the good news is, is that if he can use Peter, he can use everybody in here. Because Peter didn't have any kind of degree from any kind of Bible college or anything like that. Peter was just an everyday fisherman. But the truth is, is that he said yes to Jesus. He said yes to Jesus. But Peter had moments whenever he didn't do that great. In fact, at one point, he told Jesus, he said, listen, I'll never leave you. Never. 
He even said, I'll give my life for you. But we find out that Peter actually couldn't do what he said, what he promised that he would do. And whenever we go to Luke 22, we see that this is a very hard night for Peter and the other disciples. This is the night that Judas betrays Jesus. This is the night whenever a mob comes to arrest Jesus because, again, Judas betrayed him. And Judas was, I mean, one of 12, right? One of the closest men to Jesus. And so there's this mob that shows up. Peter's there, and Peter's on fire because he loves Jesus so much. As a matter of fact, whenever the mob shows up, Peter, like, gets in fight mode. And he grabs a sword, and he swings it, and he effectively cuts off a man's ear. He apparently wasn't very good with a sword. <laughs> right? But what happens is, is that Jesus, of course, heals that man's ear. But then Jesus is arrested and he's taken to ultimately be interrogated. And so Peter and the other disciples, they, they kind of spread out at this point. And Peter's watching what's going on with Jesus from afar with kind of a group of other people. And whenever we look in Luke 22, starting in verse 55, it says this. It says, the guards lit a fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat around it. And Peter joined them there. A servant girl noticed him in the firelight and began staring at him. Finally, she said, this man was one of Jesus' followers. But Peter denied it. Woman, he said, I don't even know him. After a while, someone else looked at him and said, you must be one of them. No, man, I'm not, Peter retorted. About an hour later, someone else insisted, this must be one of them because he's, an, he's a Galilean too. But Peter said, man, I don't know what you're talking about. And immediately, while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed. At that moment, the Lord turned and looked at Peter. Suddenly, the Lord's words flashed through Peter's mind. Before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, you will deny three times that you even know me. After that, Peter left the courtyard weeping bitterly. Now, most of us probably remember whenever Jesus told him, Peter, you're actually going to deny me. But Peter was confident that there was no way that that was going to happen. Peter's all confused about everything that's going on that night. But then he denies Jesus. And that third time, Jesus actually looks at him basically while it's taking place. And you've got to imagine his head had to be messed up at this point. Come on. He had to be confused. He, he had to have so much going on in his head. Because, again, let's think about it. Just a little while before he told Jesus, I'll never leave you. I'll give my life for you. But then he denies him three times. And Jesus actually sees him doing it. It's not like Jesus heard about it. It's not like Jesus thought, he's probably going to deny me. No, like Jesus was an eyewitness of him denying him, right? Just before that, the man who, who they had been following for three years, their whole life was centered around this man's ministry. He was, just, he was just arrested, and he's being interrogated, and they know. They know that ultimately they want Jesus killed. So he's got that going through his head. And then there's the whole fear of, well, we're part of the 12. We're part of the inner circle with him, and so um, are they coming for us next? So we better keep our distance as well. But again, he's dealing with guilt. 
He's dealing with shame for what he did. And he's thinking to himself, Jesus knows that I'm a liar, that I couldn't keep my word. And so he's got a lot going on in his head. If we fast forward, literally what's only some hours ahead, we know that Jesus is crucified. But praise God, he walked out of that grave three days later, didn't he? He walked out of that grave. Uh, in John 20, verse 19, it tells us that Jesus appeared to his disciples on the evening that he walked out of the grave. And I don't know if you remember this, but they were basically all in hiding because they were in fear of their life. And, and Jesus actually, for the most part, just walks through the door and says, peace be with you. And they're like, ha! <laughs> Where'd you come from? Right? And, and so Jesus appears to them the night that, that he walked out of the grave. And so it says that all the disciples were there. But even after Peter witnessing the empty tomb, even after Peter seeing Jesus whenever they were all together that night, we see the following days that Peter was still struggling with what he did. I think sometimes we just think to ourselves, well, everything was good whenever Jesus appeared to him. They were all happy and everything was just fine. Peter was still struggling. And we see that in Scripture. I want you to remember that he was right next to Jesus for a few years. Peter was, was participating in the miracles that Jesus did. For instance, the feeding of the 5,000. Jesus told the guys, listen, here, each take a basket, go feed these people. Peter was part of every time he stuck his hand in the basket, food came out, even though it should have been empty. I mean, Peter was actively participating in the miracles of Jesus. Peter heard the teachings of Jesus that blew his mind, but it showed him the heart of God. I mean, he, he was probably reminiscing of everything that he had experienced the last three years, but he was still messed up in the head. Peter was probably thinking about the first time that, that Jesus had this major encounter with him at the Sea of Galilee. And you all remember what it was. Jesus said, listen, let's go out in the boat. And he said, throw your net out. Peter says this, we've been fishing all night. We ain't caught anything. But if you say so, if you say so, Lord, I'll do it. And he threw his net out, and, and, and then they have this massive haul of fish in that literally their boat almost sinks. I mean, Jesus showed him, right? Like, whenever you're obedient, that's just a really good example right there of what God would do in your life, Amen. So he probably remembers that first encounter at the Sea of Galilee and how it blew his mind. And the very man who spoke purpose and destiny in his life, he betrayed. So Peter was in a weird place. He, he was in a really, really weird place. And in John 21, we see that Peter, after the resurrection, he went back to what he did. And this is even after seeing Jesus. He went back to his old way of life. Starting in verse 2 of John 21, it says, Simon Peter, Thomas, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of, of Zebedee, that would have been James and John, and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them. And they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. So Peter goes fishing, because it was easier for him to go back. Somebody say back. 
it, it was easier for him to go back to his old way of life because of his failure than it was to move forward. See, because again, whenever we mess up, whenever we feel like we've let the Lord down, sometimes we either stall out or we turn and we go backwards. That's just what happens to us because of the attacks and the lies of the enemy in our life. And so he goes back to his old life. For him, he had to feel like ministry was over with, right? Because here he was, the one that was part of all these miracles, the one who kind of took lead with the disciples. He had to feel that he had been disqualified from ministry based on what he had done, right? You know, at one point, Jesus even refers to him as a rock. And if that nickname happened to have stuck since Jesus said it, well, he wasn't going to be the rock anymore. He was probably the liar, right? And so he was thinking he couldn't move forward, so he just had to go back to his old way of life. Have you ever noticed, and maybe you've experienced this before, that a lot of times whenever people are doing good and they've come out, God's delivered them out of their old way of life and they're walking with God and they're walking in joy and they're growing. But if they slip up, if they mess up, if they have a moment where they feel like the Lord is not so happy with them, you know, because the enemy's messing with their head because they messed up and they let the Lord down, what they do often is that they will turn and they will go right back to that old way of life that they just were delivered out of. And a lot of times people seem to think that they can go back to that old way of life and be happy. But the truth is, is that that old way of life never brought them happiness. As a matter of fact, a lot of times that old way of life actually took their happiness, but they go back to it and nothing's going to be any different. They're still going to be miserable as they were before they ever had their encounter with the Lord. And what Peter did was, is he went back to his old way of life, to that life that really didn't have any purpose to it. So it says here, in verse 4, that while they're fishing, somebody calls out to them from the shore. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you'll find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Let me pause right there. Our family has always said this. These guys had to be lousy fishermen. Not one time did they ever have fish whenever Jesus asked them, have you got, caught any fish? It took Jesus being in their presence for them to see success. Another lesson, right? Verse 7, then the disciple whom Jesus loved, that's John, he wrote this, said to Peter, it's the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say it's the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you have just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153. But even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. 
None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, he took the bread and he gave it to them, and he did the same with the fish. Now, as a reminder, Peter was at the exact same place as he was whenever he really had an encounter with Jesus for the very first time. He was at the Sea of Galilee, and he was fishing unsuccessfully. He was at the same place whenever Jesus called out to him from the shore. But this time's a little bit different. The first time he had an encounter with Jesus, and he really met Jesus, and he knew that Jesus was indeed the one that they had been waiting for, but this time it was different. You see, Jesus comes to shore because he knows there's a man that's hurting. And he knows that there's a man who's stuck and doesn't think that he can be used anymore for kingdom work. And so this time, whenever Jesus comes to him at the Sea of Galilee, just like he did the first time, he's not there to interrogate him. He's not there to say, you know, you really let me down, Peter. What were you thinking? You know, I saw it with my own eyes. That's not the heart of God. (laughs) But he goes to Peter. And they have a restoration meal together. Restoration began to happen whenever he goes and he meets Peter where he was, which was he had gone back to his old life. And in that time, whenever they're together, things were made right between the two of them. Jesus didn't accuse him. Jesus didn't make him feel low. Nothing like that. We actually see that Jesus gave Peter a new focus and a new direction. Now, I want to tell you today, if you want to move forward, because some of you have maybe been in this place where you've been stuck. Maybe you feel like you really let the Lord down. Maybe you feel like you've really let someone else down. Maybe you've been hurt, church hurt. It's a real thing. Maybe some folks in a church hurt you. Maybe I don't know what it could be, but, but you've been at a place to where you've been stuck. And you may have turned and gone the opposite direction and gone to your old way of life. I want you to understand this. It's possible for you to move forward. But it's going to require forgiveness of the past. It's going to require you forgiving yourself. And maybe your situation's different. You've got to forgive someone else. But you've been letting the enemy use that in your life to keep you from moving forward with God and convincing you that, no, 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 there's no forward for you. You've just got to go right back to that old way of life. Once again, I want to tell you, that old way of life didn't bring you joy. That old way of life did not bring you happiness. There was no purpose in that old way of life. And God's calling you and saying, no, 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 I've got more for you. I want you to move forward. Maybe that's your situation today and you're realizing I have got to go forward and I've got to get past these things that have held me up. Before Jesus showed up on the shore, he was stuck. He doesn't want us stuck, amen? But he gives him his new assignment requiring requiring him to move forward. So get this. 
verse 15, when they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, Peter, feed my sheep. Listen, something wonderful happened here that day because you remember Peter denied Jesus how many times? But as Jesus was asking him these questions, I want you to understand Jesus wasn't getting on to him. Jesus wasn't questioning him. Simon, do you actually love him? love me? What Jesus was doing is he was saying, listen, I've got an assignment for you. But at the same time, Simon had absolutely, we know, denied him three times. But it also gave him three opportunities to tell Jesus how much he loved him. How much he loved him. And I want you to understand today, the Lord's ready for you to move forward. He's ready for you to move forward. Come on, stand up with me today, if you will. He was saying, listen, Simon, I know you love me. I've got greater things for you. I need you to feed my sheep. There's a mighty harvest that's about to come in. And Simon, I want to use you for it. But you've got to leave this life of fishing behind you. You're not going to find any purpose with it. People are not going to be changed with you fishing. I need you to do something greater, Simon. And I want us all to know here today, maybe you've been stuck, but I just want to declare as the shepherd of this house, God wants to use you for greater. Come on, he wants to use you for greater. The old way of life, it's the past. Let's let it be past and let's begin to move forward. Come on, somebody. I want you to understand this. Jesus knew what was on the horizon for Peter. He knew what was on the horizon for him. Even though Peter had messed up, he had massive plans for him. But Peter was going to have to take that first step forward to be able to walk into the destiny that God had for him. And y'all listen, just a handful of days later, if we go to Acts 2, verse 1, it says this, When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each one of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit, began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Then Peter stood up with the eleven. He raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. Listen to me, listen to me, listen to me. The man who felt as low as he could feel just a few days prior saw his purpose and his destiny and he took a step forward. And it says that he stood up. He began to walk in that destiny that the Lord had for him. And I want you to understand, he preached the greatest sermon of his life that day because he refused to stay stuck. Verse 41 says this, those who accepted his message were baptized and 3,000 were added that day to the church. Listen, in order for all of us to obtain a greater life, we've got to leave our past in the past and we got to move forward. Amen. 
I want you to know God wants to bless you. God wants you to live a blessed life. He wants you to be happy. He wants you to love your work. He wants your relationships to get stronger. That's his plan for you. But if you have felt like you have failed him, if you feel like you can't be used, I want you to understand you've got to stop listening to the enemy and you have got to take that step forward. You've got to take that step forward. So come on, give God some praise today. Father, we thank you that today, Lord, we are moving forward in you. Thank you again for listening to Church Alive's Teaching of the Week with Pastor Gene Amoson. We invite you to join us for our Sunday morning worship service every Sunday at 10 o'clock or learn more at churchalive.net.